Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 5th of September, 2022, the 9th of Elul, 5782. Coming to you from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people just outside the walls of the old city. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe in your part of the world. Here on this Monday in the U.S., it's Labor Day, so hope you're enjoying the long weekend if you are listening from the United States. And there's so much going on here in Israel in regard to terror, in regard to what is known as breaking the wave, Israel's counter-terror operation, which started uh, several months ago now already, after 20 Israelis were murdered in March and in April. So a good portion of this podcast this week is going to be focusing on, I guess once again, since last week was also very, very terror-heavy in terms of the topics on this program. But that is our reality, folks. That is our reality here these days in the state of Israel. And before we get into it, just number one, I just want to pray for our IDF soldiers and all the security forces who are protecting us 24-7 throughout the land of Israel, throughout the state of Israel. And I would like to pray that our government is able to show strength and not weakness in making decisions when it comes to life or death situations, when it comes to establishing policies in order to protect the citizens of this country. You know, this is an election period less than two months away from the fifth election in the last several years here in Israel. And a lot of uh, jockeying for positions and statements in the news, taking credit for certain things or criticizing certain politicians for their policies and whatnot. And I just hate thinking that perhaps... And I know it's true, but that politics plays a major role in the policy making. But we're talking about people's lives here, so that's that's unfortunate. If in fact that is the case, we need some moral leadership which will do what is necessary, regardless if it means more or less votes in the ballot boxes come uh, come November first. So, just a little sidebar there as we get into. The main news here in Israel, yesterday there was a terror attack in the Jordan Valley. Uh, One soldier seriously injured, uh, five or six other soldiers lightly injured, uh, a bus driver seriously injured as well. At this point, thank God, there has been an improvement in the situation, in the condition rather, of, of the soldier who was seriously injured, and I think the bus driver is also Uh, doing okay. Just to give you the details, excuse me, at least two Arab terrorists opened fire on a bus carrying troops from the Kfir Brigade in the Jordan Valley, again injuring several soldiers, as I said, one seriously. Another three lightly injured by glass shrapnel, treated at the scene before being evacuated to a hospital nearby. The bus was coming from Tel Aviv, to the brigade regional headquarters, as reported here by the Jerusalem Post, when it was hit, first 
these two Arabs, and there was a third Arab who's still on the loose, I think the driver, but these two guys threw, these two terrorists, threw a flammable substance of some kind, either a firebomb or gasoline or whatnot at the bus with the goal of trying to have the bus catch on fire. And then they opened, they bite, they took over the bus um, with their car, they cut off the bus, and then they opened gunfire directed towards the bus. And it's it's really a, a miracle here that no one was killed, no one was murdered in this attack. All three suspects, according to the J-Post, members of the same family, driving a pickup truck with Israeli license plates. They followed the bus for several minutes before overtaking it, opening fire towards the bus, the bus's left side and windshield. After the driver was hit, a unit commander, seeing that, that the driver had been injured, jumped to the driver's seat, brought the bus to a halt, he and other soldiers then fired out of the bus's window towards the fleeing truck, which drove about two kilometers before fuel or some sort of explosive flammable devices or whatever inside the truck caused the truck to ignite. And these two evil terrorists, they themselves suffered uh, severe burn wounds. You know what they say about karma, right? And there's actually a video of it online where you can see these terrorists fleeing from uh, the attack they just carried out and then their truck catching on fire and they were subsequently arrested. And again, the third suspect, perhaps the driver, he's still loose, but it's only a matter of time before the IDF gets their hands on the driver as well. Uh, the increase in violence comes as the IDF continues to crack down on terrorism with a focus on the northern Shamron area, specifically Shechem and Jenin. At the same time, last night, troops arrested three wanted suspects in those areas and also in the Hebron area, Hebron. Of course, Hamas and other terror groups welcomed the attack on the bus yesterday. Israel National News reports that security forces continuing their efforts to locate that third terrorist been identified as a 50-year-old father um, and an uncle, I think, perhaps, to the two younger terrorists who are now being treated in an Israeli hospital. Lo and behold, we're getting the best medical care in the world, ironically. Uh, even though they tried to murder Jews yesterday, murder Israeli soldiers. Um, as I said before, the condition, as reported by Israel National News, of the seriously wounded soldier improving upgraded to moderate as the IDF continues the search for the third terrorist a gun battle was reported in Janine and if I am not mistaken I believe I heard on the news on the way over this morning to Jerusalem that uh, a terrorist was killed in that gun battle and we are just getting started here. Uh, the Jerusalem Post reports that four IDF soldiers lightly wounded after a hunting rifle was shot at them near the community of Neve Tzuf in the Shomron. According to the IDF spokesperson's unit, this was last night. Soldiers were standing guard at a post on Route 465. Uh, the injured soldiers were treated at the scene. Initially, they thought it was an IED explosion. Um, or perhaps an IED that had been thrown at them, but it looks like that they were the target of a shooting attack. So in addition to the attack on the bus yesterday, 
a lot of attacks against soldiers, a lot more rocks and firebombs than we're used to, and that's already a big number. And I'll give some details in a few minutes in terms of the, the stats and whatnot. Uh, the, uh, the Jewish press actually had a very interesting commentary uh, published this morning. Uh, many have noted this week and last that the PA security forces have been completely absent from the recent terrorist events and that the IDF must rely on its own intelligence and forces to thwart future attacks and suppress terrorist activities. The IDF estimates that about 200 full-blown armed attacks on Jewish civilians and soldiers were prevented this year. That's unbelievable. That's close to one bloody attack per day. The PA, whose only real job, from Israel's standpoint, is to assist in curbing terrorism, terrorism is not delivering, despite those refreshing get-togethers between Prime, uh, Defense Minister Benny Gantz and Chairman Abbas. How many times have I said that Defense Minister Benny Gantz should not be meeting with the Holocaust denier uh, Mahmoud Abbas of the Palestinian Authority? If the goal is security collaboration and the PA is not collaborating, from a security perspective, then what is the purpose of trying to embolden the Palestinian Authority? That was like the only reason possible to give them any credibility or assist in any way, shape, or form. And if they're not doing anything, listen, don't, don't forget, let's not forget that in the year 2000, when the Oslo War, as it's known, uh, began in September, the Palestinian Authority... Those armed, you want to call them policemen or soldiers or whatever they were, they were supposed to be fighting Hamas. And they weren't fighting Hamas. Instead, they turned their weapons on their Jewish counterparts. So not surprising that the PA is not doing anything to stop attacks or to assist in collaboration in uh, preventing future attacks. And the IDF, according to this analysis, is relying on itself. So let's stop legitimizing the Palestinian Authority, the terrorists and the suits who we brought back to life. Enough is enough. Let's stop meeting with them. If we have to do it on our own, whether it's here in this situation or with Iran, uh, Israel can do it on our own. I'm very, very, uh, very much, I'm very confident that Israel can do it on its own and our IDF can do it on its own, especially with the Palestinian Authority talking out of the both sides of both sides of their mouths, pretending to help when it comes to security, and on the other hand, supporting terror. So that was a good commentary there by the Jewish press. Moving back to uh, Friday, and I actually was able to unfortunately hear the sirens from my house in Gush Etzion, because this was close by, an IDF soldier in his 20s was evacuated, uh, reported here by JNS News, for medical treatment after he was stabbed near the community of Kiryat Arba, near, uh, which is adjacent to Hebron. The knife-wielding Arab assailant was shot and killed by another soldier, according to Israel media reports. The soldier, the victim, treated on the scene, transported to a hospital in Jerusalem. Uh, the assailant, 19-year-old Arab, who arrived by taxi and stabbed the soldier. And thank God uh, the soldier was, I mean, you say moderate, okay, moderately wounded, which means, thank God he's alive. On the other hand, when you say moderately wounded, this could be something that affects him for the rest of his life. So let's not downplay. I don't want, I don't want to downplay the word moderately wounded, the words moderately wounded in any way, shape, or form. 
But thank God he's alive, and thank God the terrorist is dead. Here we go. I mentioned the rock and firebomb attacks. Jewish press says a woman was lightly injured after a block. And I'm not talking about a little Lego block. I'm talking about a cinder block was thrown through the windshield of her car on Saturday. The attack happened on the road near Rivava and Summit Yakir, which is in the Shomron slash Binyamin area. Um, and that's at the same time in Gush Etzion, an attack was thwarted on a Saturday evening. A terrorist was approaching the southern gate of Kibbutz Migdal Uz with a firebomb. And again, you think, oh, it's just one little firebomb, right? Where well, a firebomb could, number one, if it hits a car, it could set the whole car on fire. Number two, if it lands in a field, it could set an entire field on fire. The goal is to kill. The goal is to murder Jews. So this Arab was spotted by the uh, security forces there in Migdalos, I think using their surveillance cameras or whatnot, apprehended the terrorist. And ironically, this young terrorist, was, this was not the first time he tried to carry out a terror attack. Apparently, he had been behind bars before, was released, and tried to carry out another attack. Against, against Kibbutz Migdaloz. I think the last time was also against Migdaloz. Gush Etzion had Shlomo Ne'eman saying the fact that this terrorist was released, not behind bars, shows there's a lack of deterrence, punishment, and justice when it comes to terrorists. So we mentioned some of the numbers before. The Jewish press gives more statistics here. Israeli security military forces have been busy over the past four months. 1,200, 1,200 wanted terror suspects arrested and some 200 shooting attacks thwarted. This according to a report Saturday night. Again, the Jewish press reporting on uh, what was published by Israel's Channel 12 News. Despite that good news that all those attacks were thwarted in the last month alone, there were 10 shooting and stabbing attacks, dozens of stone-throwing stone throwing attacks each day, which can be uh, deadly. Increase in incitement, according to this report by Channel 12, on TikTok and other social media networks. Palestinian Authority losing control with armed gunmen roaming the streets of places like Jenin. More Hamas flags. Um more lawlessness. In March, remember, 190 terror attacks took place. 11 people were killed. And then in April, you had uh, 17 Israelis killed, dozens more wounded. And we are still here in the midst of break the wave or breaking the wave to stop terror. The operation continues 24-7. Let's once again thank our brave young men and women of the IDF and the other security forces for thwarting, thwarting so many attacks. And the focus of, or the wrath of, perhaps, of the Biden administration, no, not on the terrorists, but on Israel. Times of Israel yesterday said the United States has reportedly told Israel it is worried about escalating tensions in what they call the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, as the Israeli military pressed on with this 
five-month-long operation aimed at preventing terrorism. According to Channel 13 News, Barbara Leaf, Assistant, Assistant Secretary of State for Near East Affairs, who's been visiting the region, expressed serious concern to Israeli officials over the situation in what she calls the West Bank in Judea and Samaria. An unnamed Israeli security official was quoted as saying the escalation was very troubling to the Americans. They expressed fear of a security escalation of this dynamic in which Palestinians are killed. That's, what, that's their word, not mine. Our, uh, continues, again, fear of escalation if Palestinians are killed. Not worried about terrorists trying to get into Israeli cities or shooting at buses. Worried about the idea of killing the bad guys. That's what their focus is. And this, and this is in a nutshell. This is the Biden administration for you. This is where their head is. They are weak. They are bringing back the old policies of Obama and Clinton where you put your attention on those tr trying to thwart terror instead of focusing on those who are actually trying to carry out terror attacks. And that's why it's not surprising that, you know, any day now perhaps this Iran deal, bad Iran deal, will be officially back on the table. When you have weakness, this isn't the U.S.-Canada border, folks. This is the Middle East. When you show weakness, you lose, plain and simple. And the Biden administration is going down the path of loserdom. Is that a word? That's where they're headed. A weak position, which will only lead to a loss. And that affects Israel. That affects us here on a day-to-day -day basis. Here's another story um, brought to you by JNS. And, of course, it involves a young principled Jewish girl, right, from the U.S. She is so principled, she's going to stand up against Israel because it's out of principle. She's going to stand up against these Zionist policies because that's what young Jewish girls do these days in the United States. Not all of them, of course. But this is these are the principles. This is real Judaism, right? This is what Judaism is all about. Standing uh, standing up for the oppressed. Even if it means standing against your own people, we're going to do what's right. Well, no, you're not doing what's right. You're singling out the one and only Jewish state. And I don't care if you're a Jew, okay, or what your name is. When you hold Israel to a different standard, by definition, that is anti-Semitism. Even if you are a Jew, Call it what you want, okay? There are names for that. Use whatever term you'd like. And again, I don't know the numbers, but it just seems, based on the nonsense that I see on a daily basis on social media, especially Twitter, where these young Jews, not just girls, boys too, they come out against Israel and they are so progressive and so liberal and open-minded and they are fighting the oppression and what they call the occupation and doing so many things and Israel's terrible and whatnot. And when it comes to all the other countries in the world, silence, North Korea, Iran, China, China's got a million people they're holding prisoner. Muslims are in these detention camps, a million of them. And what are these nice young Jewish girls doing on behalf of those Muslims? Absolutely nothing. So here's the story after I went off on that tangent there. A Jewish former Google employee is being praised. She's being praised by Hamas. 
If Hamas is praising what you're doing, you're obviously in the wrong. After she resigned her position with the company, with Google, after accusing it of retaliating against employees who expressed pro-Palestinian views. I don't believe her nonsense. Hamas hails the courageous, this is a quote, the courageous stance of Google marketing manager, what's her name? Ariel Korin, obviously Jewish, who rejects Google's policy of providing services and logistical support to the Zionist occupation. These are Hamas's words which targets the Palestinian people on their rights and accuses Google of being complicit in violation against the Palestinian human rights, blah, blah, blah. Hamas wrote a statement on its website reported by the Washington Free Beacon. So here's the story. Ariel Koren, 28 years old, so principled, resigned this week after seven years with the company, where she spent more than a year protesting Project Nimbus, a $1.2 billion project in which Google and Amazon provide Israel and its military with artificial intelligence tools and computing services, according to the New York Times. She spent a year protesting a project which benefits her fellow Jews in the state of Israel and probably benefits the world. Okay? Artificial intelligence, military. When Israel is able to put together this... Uh, technology, the startup nation technology, it shares it with the world and makes the world a better place. Yet, a 28-year-old principal Jewish girl, she decides that she must quit Google because Google is helping Israel. Corin announced her resignation in a blog post where she claimed the company's retaliatory actions against her left her with no choice. She had no choice. She had a gun to her head, right? To leave the company. As I said before, again, Hamas, Hamas is praising her. You know she is bad news, and it's so sad, really. It's so sad that she's Jewish. I'm sure Google has clients from all over the world, and I am sure she didn't look into any of those policies. And what, what is the woke going to say? Well, if she's a Jew and she resigned, then she must be right when it comes to Israel. Uh-huh. You know, the, the old, uh, well, I don't know if it's old, but it's pretty uh, prevalent on social media, on Twitter. As a Jew, that's how people start their sentences. As a Jew, I believe, as a Jew, I believe Israel is a terrible place and the Zionists are terrible and I hate Zionism. As a Jew, and then you gain legitimacy because you write as a Jew. So obviously, this is what Jews must believe. This is what the majority of the Jews think. That's what gets in the heads of people when these woke Jews say, as a Jew, and then they go off on a tangent, blaming Israel and the way Israel does this and that and everything else. The radicals, they use this to their advantage, the as a Jew line. Okay? As I said, by definition, she is a Jew hater, and I don't care what religion she is. She does not get a pass, but just because... She has a Jewish mother. Again, she might have a Jewish father also. I don't even know. But halachically, by Jewish law, apparently she's Jewish. She does not get a pass for bashing the state of Israel, dedicating a year of her life to fight against Google, the evil people at Google who have projects in Israel. So just that's just pathetic, and it's sad. 
but unfortunately not surprising because we are seeing this time and time again. As a Jew, I will stand up against the Jewish state of Israel. Very sad. So, this is another story, and I'm curious to know how many uh, newspapers pick this up and how many put it on their front page, how many care, because Israel isn't involved. The Jewish press reported, Gazans began their mourning at 5 a.m. on Sunday with the execution of five Gazan citizens accused of collaborating with Israel and premeditated murder. So you have five people, a few of them accused of being traitors, helping Israel, and a couple are apparently accused of murder. Um, and they were put to death by Hamas yesterday. Two by shooting, the others by hanging. I'm curious to know if they got a fair trial. Okay, Hamas says, of course, that they had a chance to appeal their sentences. Um, I highly doubt that there was an extensive judicial process there in Gaza. But I'm not seeing, really, these so-called phony human rights groups going crazy. A few, maybe. But overall, I'm not seeing anybody going nuts about Hamas executing five people there based on what? Where's the evidence? Where's the right to trial or any of that other stuff? Please give me a break. We're dealing with Hamas here. They kill whoever they want, whenever they want, for whatever reason they want. If actually these people were on Israel's side, then this is really, really terrible. Honestly, if they were on our team, our side, this is bad, bad news. But where is, you know, Human Rights Watch and all these others? If it was Israel, it would be front page. It would be an emergency Security Council meeting on Christmas Day at 5 o'clock in the morning. But when it comes to Hamas executing five people in a public square, crickets. Absolute crickets. Double standard here, folks. That is what we're dealing with. Uh, I-24 Switching Gears here reports that Germany and Israel's presidents today will be leading commemorations marking 50 years since the Munich Olympic massacre with hopes that a long-awaited compensation deal for brief families will finally help begin the healing from that painful episode. It took 50 years. And I don't even think, oh, you want this compensation? I don't know if the families want compensation. More compensation from Germany? We've had this issue before. You know, after the Holocaust, and now with the Munich massacre, the death, the murder of Israeli uh, eleven Israeli athletes and coaches, fifty years later, they're finally offering compensation. A deal was agreed to, according to I twenty four on Wednesday, Berlin for Berlin to provide twenty eight million euros uh, in compensation to the families. Germany's president admitted on Sunday it was shameful it had taken the country so long to reach an agreement with the victims. You think? 50 years to reach an agreement? So there's going to be a ceremony today over there in Germany at the air base where the hostage-taking reached its tragic climax, and those who were still alive were then uh, killed there by the PLO terrorists. Remember, this was the PLO, right? With the failure by Germany for letting this happen or not preventing this from happening on their soil. Former MK, Dr. A. Not Wolf, we've interviewed her on the show, I think a few times. 
I've interviewed her over the over the course of the years on Twitter. She referenced her book, and she said the following. In Chapter 4, uh, the book Wielding Terror of the War of Return, she says, We detail how UNRWA's education system, and I'll explain in a second here, how UNRWA's education system became an instrument for mobilizing the Palestinians for armed struggle. The perpetrators of the Munich massacre emerged directly from that. Germany funds UNRWA $100 million a year. So... I'll explain the connection here, okay? You have Germany, which claims they're sorry for what happened, for the Munich massacre, for not preventing it, for not having the proper security, for the botched raid, for everything like that. On one hand, they're so sorry what happened to the Jews there. On the other hand, they're giving UNRWA $100 million a year. And it's the UNRWA education, which is brainwashing the Arabs today, and as she says, the perpetrators of the Munich Massacre emerged directly from that, from the hate education being per- uh, perpetrated by the schools under the UNRWA education system. So don't tell me you want to give us compensation and you're sorry and all this other stuff, when at the same time you are funding an anti-Semitic organization which is holding Arabs as pawns, wherever they are, telling them one day, you will overthrow the state of Israel, here's a key to your house, you, are, you have the so-called phony right of return, and we're going to hold you here, we're not going to resettle you, even though we're supposed to be a resettling organization, we're going to hold you here, and eventually, you're going to go back. When the state of Israel is destroyed, and you're going to go back there. That's what UNRWA is all about, so... Don't give me the stuff about apologizing for Munich and then funding an organization dedicating to Israel's demise. After all of that, let's finish on something positive. Okay, it's our weekly BDS. I would call it our BDS report or anti-BDS report, depending on how you're looking at it. Israel 21C reports, Aura Air, an Israeli air purifier, is being installed in thousands of American classrooms and school buses as the academic year begins. Uh, This is underwritten by federal COVID relief funds for school districts across the U.S. The purifiers have already been placed in schools and universities in many U.S. states. The award-winning patented technology filters and disinfects indoor air through a unique four-stage purification process that captures and kills 99.9% of viruses, bacteria, germs, and, and allergens. An accompanying app lets parents, educators, and facility managers monitor monitor and control the air quality in classrooms in real time and get alerts on allergy and virus risks. In June, former U.S. National Parent Teacher Association President Leslie Boggs joined Aura Air as an advisory board member. She said with COVID-19 cases rising and influenza virus spiking across the country, indoor air quality in our schools continues to be a top concern for parents and teachers. Bottom line, in Israeli technology, Aura Air, an air purification system being installed across America in schools, colleges, universities, what have you. So if you're a BDS Israel hater and you find out that your school is using Aura Air technology and purifying the air, don't breathe. 
don't breathe the air. Maybe drop out of school. Maybe homeschooling is for you because we wouldn't want you to be a hypocrite. Don't tell us you're going to BDS Israel and you're going to go to battle against Israel. Don't be a hypocrite. And then breathe this air, which is being purified by an Israeli company. If you're going to be a BDS hater, stay away from these colleges and universities using in schools, using this system. Because we would not want you to be a hypocrite, because a hypocrite is the worst. So you BDS haters out there, if you find out Aura Air is in your building, go home. Homeschooling is for you. And with that, we will end today's show. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com for the 5th of September, 2022, the 9th of Elul, 5782. Shout out to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein, for everything she does behind the scenes here at the network. Get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Check out my website, joshhaston.com. Get in touch with me. Most importantly, between now and when we talk again, please, God, next Monday, everyone out there, the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Shalom, shalom. From Jerusalem, capital, united, never divided, again, capital, indivisible, capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Shalom, shalom. He who reigns within himself, says John Milton, and rules passions, desires, and fears, is more than a king. I'd like to believe I have quite a grip on myself, though I can't claim any royal descent. I'm Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast, The Jewish Story, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.